Welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast. I'm Brooke. And I'm Cody. And we are your podcast hosts, coming to you from the Cvent Podcast Studio in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Before we get to today's topic, read more about today's episode on the Cvent blog at cvent.com slash podcast. You guys know we love hearing from you, so shoot us an email at podcast at cvent.com. Yeah, and today's episode is about the invisible workload of event planners. And there's kind of a lot... Cody, it's the work you do that honestly goes completely unnoticed. It's really the things that get attention only if they don't happen. That's right. And we got to talk to one of our favorite sea venters, Paulina Curto, who is an event planner herself. Not only that, Cody, she's an event planner for event planners. Talk about a huge task. Yeah. So let's hear more from Paulina about what invisible workload means to her and how she manages it. Hello, Paulina. We're so glad to have you on the podcast to talk about invisible workload today. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. You know, invisible workload isn't really something I hear about all of the time. It's sort of this new concept when it comes to event planning. So can you just give us high level, what is the invisible workload of event planning? Okay. So to your point, invisible workload is is kind of this new phenomenon um, that people are are sort of taking interest in, and and it isn't exclusive to event planning. But I do think event planning uh, lends itself to a larger invisible workload than perhaps some other uh, careers and industries. But it's, in my opinion, I feel like it's the physical, it's the mental additional time that a planner puts forth to ensure that you know their supervisor their attendees, any external parties really don't have visibility into. Um, it's, it's all of the minute tasks, the you know repetitive opening of swag, things that are behind the scenes that take up quite a bit of time to um, ensure that everything looks and feels really seamless um, on site. So I have to ask you, Paulina, what would you say is the perception of what an event planner is to those people who are not in the industry? You know, for example, like, what does your mom think your job is? (laughs) You know, it's funny because I still feel like I'm explaining to my family members what I do. I'm pretty sure my brothers think I'm like a glorified club promoter. But, you know, it, it is an interesting lens. And sometimes I refer to it as like this social perspective because so much of my Instagram and Twitter is featuring the on-site execution and kind of fruition of, of events. But I, I think it's kind of glorified. I think a lot of people think it's a lot of party planning. I'm sure my dad thinks I'm a party planner, but there is a ton of expertise that goes in that's involved with event planning. Um, you know, experience with contracting, negotiating, a huge amount of project management. You know, project management, people management, vendor management. So. I think a lot of the internal deliverables are are definitely not seen um, from the outside lens. It, it does seem like a, a really fun career, and and of course it is, and and typically comes with some pretty amazing perks too. I will say, right? Like it's a great job being an event planner, but there's like all of these little things that nobody knows you do. That's that invisible workload, I'm sure. I mean, I planned a birthday party the other day, and I legit spent two hours unpacking paper lanterns and like putting them together. And that is like, that's not what I thought I would be doing. (laughs) I'm planning a birthday party. And I can only imagine when it's like this big corporate event with 4000 people, it it just 
exponentially becomes more and more of those little tasks that nobody knows goes into it. So I have to, you know, wonder how much of your time though is actually spent doing all of those little things that nobody really thinks about. Is it the majority of your time? I wouldn't say it's the majority of our time. I I would say there is quite a large percentage. I'd say about 20% of our time, uh, you know, pre-event, on-site, post-event, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, go into, um, you know, executing a, a really successful program. Of course, that said, it, it, of course, you know, varies on the size of the event, the complexity, um, and some of the unique variables that, that surround it. But yeah, I'd say about 20% of my time is, is kind of compartmentalized for those things that people don't see or, or the small time-consuming pieces that, that take up a lot of uh, our time, yeah. Yeah, and 20% is pretty significant. Yeah, I think 20% is a lot, really. But hey, Pauline, can you give us an example? Like, what is a crazy story that you have that's related to your invisible workload? Ooh, I can't wait for this. I know. I'm... I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, when we were in Vegas with you, you were like, there was literally a fire happening. You know, we're always talking about putting out fires. You're like, nope, there's actually was one year a fire. What else? What else? Like, crazy story yeah. has happened that just ended up taking up time that you weren't really planning on. You know, this one is kind of near and dear to my heart. I I think about it often um, and you can probably kind of hear me smiling as I tell it, but at a program a couple of years ago, uh, we were in South Florida and we took all of our attendees to a uh, beachside restaurant and it was absolutely gorgeous. You can imagine sunset, wind is blowing, decor is, you know, beautiful candlelit um, centerpieces and and what have you. And so everyone's sort of gathering around and about to take their seats for for the dinner. And I see one of our attendees who I'm pretty close with. And I just, you know, wanted to go over and chat her up because I had noticed she was already seated. And she actually has a um, service animal uh, that joins her for some of our programs. And I, you know, was talking to her. I said, you know, how's our little guy doing? She's like, actually, you know, kind of, you know, her temperament changes. And she said, you know, I think something's up with him. He, he wouldn't eat the food I brought for him. And he's kind of just wanting to sit here and be antisocial, which is, you know, knowing this dog, very not him. And I said, you know, is there anything I can do to help? And she looks at me and kind of smiles. And I sort of felt, oh boy, here we go. And she said, if there's any way you could see if the kitchen could just prepare plain chicken, very, very plain. I'm saying no salt, no pepper, no accoutrements <laughs> and bring it out here and see if he eats it. That would be un- unbelievable. And I looked at her and I said, you got it. And I, I said, you know, I excuse myself. I'm just going to go see if I can make this happen. And so I'm walking back and, you know, the beach where we are is nowhere near the kitchen where all the food is being prepared. So on my trek, if you will, back to um, the the property, I'm thinking, how am I going to convince chef to produce a very plain chicken for one of our attendees? So I'm thinking about how I'm going to tell him and I, and I get inside and I said, hey, chef, I've, I've got a... <laughs> I've got a unique request to for one of our attendees out there. It's one of our furry attendees. He he wasn't able to eat his dinner that was provided by his owner. So I was wondering if you could prepare a very plain chicken, piece of chicken that I could bring out to him. And he looks at me, raises an eyebrow. And, you know, chefs are very animated, wonderful, wonderful people and smiles and says, you know, give me 15 minutes. So 
15 minutes later, I'm walking out with, you know, white china and a covered plate <laughs> and I bring it table side and I put it in a little dish and he absolutely devoured said plain chicken. And she was over the moon. You could tell that, um, you know, what was, you know, in essence, a really small gesture and, and, and small effort on my part had really gone a long way. And um, I've seen her at a couple events since then, and, and she always brings it up. And it just, it's just a warm, heartfelt story that, you know, when you go the extra mile, and, and it's obviously not something planned, it definitely, you know, yields amazing uh, long-term results. So it's a feel-good, invisible workload story for you. We were smiling from ear to ear the entire story. That First is- of all, you're an amazing storyteller. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so kudos. That was heartwarming. And actually, this might be a good story for the invisible workload for a chef as well. Mm, you know, you know the 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> so maybe it's uh, this kind of spans a lot of different careers, but I have seen you in action, Paulina, do this. Somebody asks you for something completely outside the realm of what a normal request would be, and you just smile and say absolutely and get it done and it's really amazing to watch and I I every time it happens I think to myself it's not one request when you have an event of 4,000 people it is multiple of these requests coming in that you're just like making happen and I always think this has to cause a little bit of burnout for you, right? Like sometimes you don't want to have just all of these random requests coming in and this this invisible workload. So how do you prevent that from happening? How do you wake up every day and say, I love my job and I am going to absolutely get that chicken breast for the, the furry animal at our attendee's side? <laughs> good question. So, you know, all careers, I think, face some level of burnout, Um you know, writer's experience, writer's block. And, and I think it's important to have sort of, you know, at least a a small list of things that you can revert back to, to sort of ground yourself and, and return to a balanced mindset. You know, three things like that come to mind, um, lean into event technology. I, I can't say it enough, but, you know, we typically find ourselves jumping in and and wanting to make uh, you know immediate changes with real-time results and I feel like so much of technology can can satisfy that need and and you know an example is general session is running late and you're gonna have to change the start time of your breakout sessions well thank heavens for having a mobile app that has your agenda and and breaks that you can hop in and make those those quick changes to the start times to accommodate, you know, these real-time variables. So um, quick, small um, example of of sort of leaning into technology and embracing it for those those real-time results. Um, You know, I think as event planners, we also are so focused on planning, 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 having the event come to fruition, and then, you know, it being completed, and then we're on to the next thing. Um, You know, something that our team really, really um, has honed in on in the last year is celebrating our successes um, individually and as a team. You know, it takes an army to put on, you know, events like Cvent Connect with 4,500 attendees. And, and so really taking the time to be a cheerleader for your colleagues, for your, your mentors, your supervisors, I think taking that time just only adds value um, and, and kind of keeps the engines burning to avoid that sort of uh, that burnout that you guys have mentioned. And 
I'd say probably the the last thing I would I would think about is, you know, make sure you always have these like really healthy lines of communication, both downward, uh, you know, laterally and upwardly with your your management teams. Um, seek out feedback, uh, constructive and positive. And, and the more you have these open lines of communication, the more it just starts to happen naturally. And that's another way of hearing sort of the accolades for completing really successful programs or, you know, an opportunity for brainstorming and ideation, which kind of, in my, in my opinion, you know, fuels the passion behind, you know, why I'm in this role. So a couple tidbits there for you um, on how to avoid burnout. I think, you know, routine is really good um, for those of us who are on the road to making sure you bring your your home routine with you. That also is is really helpful when it comes to um, staying in balance and, and in sync. That's such a good tip. Yeah, yeah. And so Paulina, you've been doing this for a long time. And so I'm sure you've seen a lot of things that have changed. My favorite part about the events is, of course, the technology. So how have you seen technology evolve from when you started until now? And how has that also impacted your evolution as an event planner? You've got it right. Um, I've definitely been doing it um, for quite some time now. And, and tech has has been immensely helpful um, for my particular role. Um, you know, I started in the industry planning trade shows um, and and trade shows alone, the amount of technology that is used to support a trade show is phenomenal. And just the idea and concept of going from business card exchanging to lead capture usage and universal um, lead capture, or um, instead of that sort of awkward, I'm going to go walk the floor mentality, the option of you know, scheduling an appointment with an exhibitor or sponsor to be at your fingertips within a mobile app. I mean, the attendee journey has completely changed and, you know, I'm, I'm here for it. I, I absolutely love that attendees have this tech at their fingertips, at their disposal pre-event, on-site, um, the opportunity to continue the conversation following events. It's just, it's been so, so wonderful. And, you know, our team really leans on feedback. Uh, we have, you know, we have exercised a variety of types of surveys, both pre-event, on-site, post-event. It's actually kind of funny. We, I, I don't know for how many of you have been in an airport recently, but you know, after you get through security, you see these um, stands, and it has a smiley face, sort of like a neutral face, and then a sad face, and you just tap one, and it says, you know. How was your TSA experience? And you just, you know, tap it and you're on with your day. So we tried integrating that um, with some of our on-site feedback offerings at our recent conference. And, you know, just embracing, you know, new ways of capturing feedback and and opinions is is, is super beneficial for those in a planning role. Um, we, you know, as a team, will read through all of the open text feedback and take it I don't want to say take it to heart, but we definitely rely on it for when we're looking to plan another event, you know, in the immediate future or for that same program, um, if it's an annual program. So um, the technology has evolved so extraordinarily and and it's just been such a benefit to um, event professionals across the board. 
Yeah. I mean, back when I started in events, some of the invisible workload, so to speak, was stuffing badges, right? I pre-print the badges weeks ahead of time. You'd spend hours, you'd get pizzas for your team to try to convince them to help you. Now we have technology that can help with that. What are the things now that are causing that invisible workload for you? And are there any tools that you're using to help offset the amount of time you need to spend? I mean, you nailed it right there. I, I mean, on-demand badge printing has been an absolute game changer. Um, I mean, I remember the days of literally printing out badges, utilizing, I, I don't know, a standard coffee, a copy, you know, machine and stuffing them into plastic badges, you know, sticking the badge with almost like a shoelace type of lanyard. Gone are those days. And thank heavens, um, you know, our team is so rely you know we rely heavily on um, on demand batch printing it is such a game changer just the the option to modify your name or your title or let's say you just recently passed your CMP exam you want to add that new um, accreditation to your badge the option to do that at check-in I you can see the the satisfaction on people's faces and particularly in in a day and age where instant gratification is the norm I mean it it's just so helpful. Um, exhibitor management, how it has been, you know, back in the days when I used to do trade shows and, and thinking about, you know, all right, I got to send the logo. I've got to send the company description. Where am I sending all the collateral? Having all of those uh, details housed in, you know, for example, an exhibitor resource center where one contact can go and reference everything at one, you know, on, on a whim or in one sitting has got to be hugely impactful. Um, and so, you know, all the time where you'd spend looking up the right logo and then having to email it to someone, but you know, today you can just have that logo uploaded to your ERC and that time that's saved is, is a game changer. Yeah. And even the surveys that you were talking about earlier, I can imagine when you don't use tech to get those survey responses, it probably very much impacts the amount of time it takes to get those responses together and to get them back to your stakeholders. I mean, there's probably all kinds of cool stuff that you can do with even real-time feedback. I remember you one time telling us a story about using RFID for a happy hour and being able to like get more beer ordered because you could see that more people were showing up than expected. So um, lots and lots you can do there. Yeah. And I remember you told us a story about how uh, you know, like a speaker dropped at the last minute too. So just to transition to that, I wanted to ask you, because I struggle a lot with last minute changes. It stresses me out with my job, but I'm not on site like you all the time. So how do you deal with like those kinds of last minute changes? How do you handle it? <laughs> you know, I think you you have to be flexible and you have to be able to pivot in this role. And I also think you you can't really take things personally. And And that's hard when, you know, this role is requiring so much of an individual's time and effort. And um, you kind of have to be able to roll with the punches and do it with a smile on your face and, and know that things happen for a reason. And you're, you're in a position to make these decisions and fix things. And troubleshooting is really just a, a, a small second nature, you know, part of who you are. Um, 
But I think flexibility is is probably the number one thing it takes to manage last minute changes or uh, small chaoses, um, if you will. Uh, it's, it's a game changer. And so much of the role is type A, I will say, you know, being super organized is always a benefit. Um, but as it relates to things on site, you just got to be able to go with the flow and and make real time decisions in in a jiffy and and I think those are kind of the the personnel attributes that that help manage last minute changes. I mean, because last minute changes are never going away, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I wish. Exactly. Just give more and more every year. What about other stuff that's just impacting the um, events industry right now? Cody and I talk a lot about GDPR. Does that change the invisible workload of planning an event? I think because it's so new, we're only starting to scratch the surface of how it's impacting the invisible workload. It's certainly impacting, you know, processes that have been in place over years. And, and you know, that invisible workload is, you know, how do we reevaluate and relook at our event marketing uh, campaigns program? What limitations are impacting what we've done historically? And, you know, how is this going to impact us down the line? I can say from you know, a, a planner perspective, you know, interacting with vendors and sponsors, it's, it's definitely changed the conversation, uh, you know, trade shows, and, and I'm sure many listening today will understand the coveted list, right? You know, you want to have the list of all the attendees. And, and now with GDPR, you know, that's just quite frankly, not really an option anymore. And so I would say an invisible workload tied to it is, what are some other value adds that, you know, us as planners and event marketers, we can provide to sponsors that are above and beyond just set list. Um, and so coming up with some new offerings, marketing deliverables, on-site activations um, that can kind of uh, fill that, that new void, uh, that's definitely something that we've, we've tasked ourselves with. Wow. That's a lot more than I was expecting you <laughs> yeah. to say for something like <laughs> GDPR because these these kinds of things are popping up all the time, little different ways that we're planning events and executing them. And that's just adding more kind of to your plate, but yeah. sometimes in a fun way, probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, Paulina, what about the kinds of events or like the size? Like how does your invisible workload vary based on that? And like, do you have more to do if there's like a VIP style event? Of course, certainly. You know, uh, size and scale of programs definitely impacts uh, invisible workload. And I'm thinking just from like a physical labor kind of experience, you know, if you have 4,500 attendees and you have a sponsor who's giving away 4,500 plastic wrapped bound notebooks, well, that's a lot of notebooks that we're looking to unwrap pre-event and then place no less on each seat in general session, um, for example. But, you know, when it comes to VIP events, you are uh, tasked with, I think, a different kind of invisible workload. Um, you know, it's it's a white glove kind of experience that you're trying to provide for a v VIP program. And so with that comes uh, potentially working with not just the individual themselves, but maybe they have one or two executive assistants. Maybe they have a spouse joining them for this event. So, you know, you're not only interacting with attendees, you're, you're kind of interacting with their larger network. And of course, with that comes 
unique and larger asks. And so you kind of have to be prepared mentally for, for those VIP programs. But certainly, you know, the larger the event, the more um, behind the scenes uh, physical work uh, needs to get done for sure. What about internal events versus external events? Because you guys put on some of the best internal events. I mean, it's a production every time. Is there a different level of invisible workload there because they are your colleagues and you can tell them, no, you're not going to get a chicken breast for your dog? (laughs) (laughs) You know, our team really looks to our colleagues for internal events like they are, you know, our, our, our standard clients or external attendees. We want them to feel that the same amount of work and effort has gone into an internal event um, that would go into an external event. Um, You know, that said, it's kind of funny because we're putting on events for event professionals. So it's, you know, there's almost like that double layer of everything has to be perfect, you know, but you kind of want to do the same for your colleagues. You want them to feel like, you know, they're experiencing what their clients and, and others are are so often getting to experience at our events. So yes and no. Um, it's kind of nice though, you know, for an internal event, you know that your your colleagues and peers are are gonna smile and and they kind of empathize with you. Um, but that's also not to say that, you know, the programs that we put on for event planners, they're not empathizing with us too. So um, I'd say we, we we definitely put the same amount of effort with the intention of having the same kind of results. But we know that our peers, our, our, our colleagues are, are a little more forgiving perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I can imagine that everybody who's listening to this right now, if you're in the events industry, this invisible workload is absolutely resonating with you. Many of you have probably done one of these invisible tasks in the past day or two. They're just constantly coming up. But it is this concept that we are just kind of starting to talk about and put a name to. So I I feel like there's a lot of additional resources out there that our audience could leverage to learn more. Pauline, I think you did a webinar recently. Um, we could get that out to our audience as well as some other ebooks and things like that. So I would just say if anybody on the phone wants to learn more, I'd encourage you to go to the cvent.com slash podcast page and we'll throw up some resources there for you. Is there anything else you feel like this audience needs to know before we let you go, Polina? You know, I kind of just want to emphasize that even if you're not in an event professional role, and and to your point, everyone experiences this invisible workload, and it it manifests itself in so many ways. I mean, we've talked about the physical elements of it, unwrapping giveaways. We've talked about the time savings that you can, you know, seek out. But I also think there's another piece of invisible workload that I maybe forgot to talk on. And it was, you know, the the importance of mentorship and and being mentored. And, you know, that actually isn't really part of our daily, you know, roles and and projects. And and um, I've found that taking the time to mentor those on your team or seeking out a mentor on your team um, to share, you know, expectations for roles and how to manage an invisible workload can be so productive and so helpful. So definitely encourage people to bring it up to managers and supervisors and, and share best practices with those on your team so that they are armed and prepared to manage this invisible workload that we've chatted about today. Yeah, that's great advice for everyone. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Paulina, thank you so much for your time. I always love talking to you. So thank you so much for taking some time out to talk to us about the You guys are the best. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. I'm still laughing about that dog story. It was the perfect example of invisible workload. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I love how she is so calm, cool, and collected when it comes to the craziness of event planning and how she uses the tech to help manage workload. So if you, our listeners, want to learn more about managing invisible workload of event planning, head over to cvent.com slash podcast. Next week, we're going to be talking to Mark Jeffries about the art of moderation. So we'll see you then. Bye.